Welcome to What Christians Should Know, How You Can Apply Biblical Principles to Everyday Life. Hello everyone, I am your host, Dr. Elijah Sadafel. In today's short, we're going to analyze the power of a question. Indecisiveness in simple everyday matters is benign, but indecisiveness in eternal matters portends adverse consequences. In the Bible, the prophets persuaded people toward decisiveness in favor of God. Sometimes they used biting language, but in other cases they just asked deep, probing questions. The prophet Elijah asked a famous question in 1 Kings 18 when he said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? The power of that question lies in the fact that it was confrontational. It forced everyone to take a good hard look at themselves. Accordingly, in an environment where compromise is popular or people are happy with the way things have been done, confrontation is not popular. Still, confrontation has the power to expose lies and illuminate truth. This is one reason why Elijah's question still has power and reverberates today. In this short, I will describe three lessons that Elijah's question has for us today. So in 1 Kings 18, we find the prophet Elijah atop Mount Carmel where a showdown of the gods is taking place. On one side of the showdown is Elijah, who stands for God. On the other side are 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah. Before the showdown begins, Elijah poses a famous question to those people who were undecided. You see, Elijah was decided that he was going to serve the Lord, the God of the Bible. The other prophets were decided that they were going to serve other gods. The people who were spectators of the showdown were undecided. Their problem was they were wavering between two distinct decisions, God or Baal. Hence, in 1 Kings 18 verse 21, the text says the following, So Ahab sent a message among all the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. So the first lesson is that Elijah's question persuades you to examine how you utilize time. Elijah began by saying, How long will you hesitate? This implies giving an account for a length of time. How long have some people spent knowing a thing or two about God, but never acted on that knowledge? How long have some folks spent in church, but never took their relationship with Christ seriously? How long? One year? Five years? Ten years? Twenty years? Sunday after Sunday will pass. Sermon after sermon will pass. Sickness after sickness will pass. Seminar after seminar will pass and friends and family may pass, but Elijah wants to know how long will you waver between opinions. Wavering gives people a perceived benefit because there is no commitment. Wavering also imparts felt consequences because there is a lack of growth. People's energies are divided and therefore the soil in which a seed is planted is partially watered and partially fertilized. What results is partial growth. You can't even do evil correctly if you're not committed to whatever you're doing. Secular ideology even recognizes the value of dedicating oneself to something so that you can reap the rewards of diligence, commitment, and purposeful effort. Lesson number two is that Elijah's question exposes where your true faith lies. 
Elijah did not have the ability to read minds, so the only way he could assess the people's opinions is by what they practiced. In other words, he assessed what they believed by what they did. Because activity always follows identity, Elijah took notice that the people did not know who they really were or what they really believed. The result is being susceptible and leaping from branch to branch. Pluralistic environments in many ways encourage lack of faith and indecisiveness because people can be so overwhelmed by the amount of choices, they feel no compulsion to decide. In fact, the argument could be made that the people in the story had a lack of faith in general. That is, they neither trusted in God fully, nor did they trust in Baal fully. If they thought Baal could do something that God could not or vice versa, they would not go all in for any option and instead go half in on two options. Indecision thus highlights that the people did not have true faith in anything. Notice as well the thrust of Elijah's question. He says, if God is God, then follow him. The question does not say, if this God or that God works out better for you, then follow him. Whoever God is, he has a claim on your life. This is an exclusive claim that demands an exclusive decision. Abstaining or choosing to be neutral is the same as not making an exclusive choice. This helps to explain why the devil doesn't actually need to get in your way or to place a wedge in between you and God. Instead, he'll just encourage you to stay on the same course or keep you distracted so you never feel compelled to make an exclusive choice. Lesson number three is that Elijah's question exposed the silence of indecisiveness. After Elijah asked his question, the text says, the people did not answer him a word. What this brief statement tells us is that the people not only wavered between opinions, but were silent about their own opinion. The silence, of course, was the result of not having a genuine opinion. Spiritually speaking, the people were like apathetic teenagers who went with the flow at the moment but had no core values to guide them. Hence, when confronted with a choice that had eternal ramifications, they did not grasp the weight of the moment and remained silent. Note that not one person or a few people remained silent, but all of them did, which means this spiritual apathy was a societal problem. Does this not sound familiar? Where the few stand up for God in the midst of a people who really can't bother? Elijah's question not only exposed the silence of indecisiveness, but it also highlighted what God did in response. He did something awe-inspiring and sent fire down from heaven as described in the next few verses. The people back then were unsure and were pointed forward to something miraculous. Now, in the 21st century, we look back to the ultimate miracle, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that is the apex of evidence to validate who God really is. After all, who else is better equipped to tell us what awaits us after death than the man who died and came back from the dead to tell everyone about it? Thank you for listening. For more valuable content, including written transcripts, a bookstore, and online Bible study, please visit wcsk.org.